Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. Each week, I try to present a message that will be of practical value and provide insights into faith and scripture for whomever happens upon the site. In what I say here, I strive, above all else, to present the truth. It may not always be the whole truth and nothing but the truth, As you'll see, those are high standards to attain. But at the very least, I seek not to be a liar or a misleader. But you'll have to be the judge of that. The premise and catchphrase of the popular TV series, The X-Files, was the truth is out there. Each week, through their creepy sci-fi thriller format, FBI Special Agents Fox Mulder and Dana Scully investigated unsolved mysteries involving paranormal phenomena and extraterrestrials, usually complicated by deep government conspiracies and betrayals. Yes, the truth is out there, but for the 11 seasons that the X-Files aired, it seemed to elude Mulder and Scully. In the last decade, as the mass communication of ideas through the widespread use of the Internet and social media platforms such as Facebook and Twitter have proliferated, discernment of the truth in all areas of life has become more and more difficult. Is a wonder medicine that we read about on the Internet a miracle or a fraud? Is a politician sending out tweets or speaking on a news program a reliable truth-teller, or a downright liar? Is the government hiding the real truth of UFOs from the American public when two supposed authorities contradict each other? How do we decide who is telling the truth? We may sometimes be left wondering whether up is up and down is down anymore. We're suffering from moral and informational vertical. So let me provide a small plot of solid ground upon which we can reorient ourselves and keep the room from spinning. In the Gospel of John, where Thomas struggles to understand who Jesus is, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. This is a bold claim. Jesus says that he's not only truth, but the truth. He is ultimate truth. It is not only a bold claim, exactly what does it mean to be truth? Jesus was a material human being. The truth is an abstract concept. He's asking us to compare apples and oranges. The two other claims that Jesus makes regarding his identity, he is the way and the life, can help us make some sense of what it means for him to be the truth. They show that Jesus is the embodiment of truth, theologians might say incarnation, accessible to us by looking at the path that he takes and the life that he leads. We get to know the truth by getting to know him. There's an old saying that goes, the proof is in the pudding. 
An apt paraphrase of that piece of folksy wisdom might be, the truth is in the pudding. According to this reasoning, in conforming our lives to Jesus' life, we are living out the truth. We become truth-tellers and truth-livers. There are a wide range of manifestations or qualities of the truth that Jesus embodies. The first thing that springs to mind are the positive traits of love, compassion, and forgiveness. These virtues are all associated with truthful living. We could add justice, fairness, morality, honesty, and respect for the other. If we can incorporate all of these things into our lives, and I could name more, we will be living the truth according to the Bible. But I might go as far as to say that if we're living out only one of these, and that's love, we will not stray far from the truth. Of course, we don't always live out the truth. Even the most devout Christians don't always follow the path of Jesus Christ. In 1 John 1, 8-9, we read, If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we don't have any sin, we make Jesus a liar and his word is not in us. This implies that we in times deceive ourselves. We lie to ourselves. The big lie or the big deception is telling ourselves that we don't sin. In order to believe that, we have to create our own truth. We think we can become truth makers. We become self-deluded. We become so caught up on our own self-serving ideas that we are blinded to the truth and an ongoing search for it. Whatever doesn't agree with my needs and desires must be a lie, or at least wrong. And whoever disagrees with me is a liar. Unfortunately, we are not only susceptible to self-deception, but we are also not infrequently intentionally deceived and lied to by others. Now, we don't like to believe that other people would lie to us, but they do. And I'm not just talking about the white lies that we all engage in to avoid embarrassment or hurting someone's feelings. I'm talking about harmful and intentional lies that mislead and can cause serious damage. And sometimes these lies are told by people that we respect the most. I remember back in the 1960s when Richard Nixon was president, it became obvious through the impeachment process that Richard Nixon had lied to the American people. That revelation shattered the naive belief of many American citizens that our presidents always told the truth. Since that time, historical evidence has shown that Richard Nixon was not the first, 
nor would he be the last to lie to the American people, and for selfish reasons. Our innocence has been shattered. Our general trust has been replaced by deep cynicism and doubt by people of all political persuasions. The world is full of liars. That realization makes the world a lot more complicated and difficult to live in. There are different areas of truth. Let's first talk about one of the most confusing but most important types of truth, scientific truth. What we first must make clear is that science is not truth itself, but the search for the truth. Science is the human quest for understanding the physical universe of which we are part. And that quest is never-ending. By the experimental method, scientists seek to come closer and closer to the truth, often overturning and discarding their past work and theories. That's the way science works. Some scientific proofs appear beyond question. For example, gravity exists. A simple scientific demonstration, such as dropping an apple, will prove the point to most people's satisfaction. Every time I've dropped a rock or a piece of fruit, or anything else for that matter, it fell to the ground with a thud or a splat. Centuries ago, Sir Isaac Newton worked out the math to figure out how fast objects fall. And Newton's observation about falling objects are so consistent and reproducible that they have become accepted as physical laws. All objects in a vacuum fall at the rate of 32 feet per second per second. The moment that my high school physics teacher demonstrated that a feather and a marble fell at the same rate in a vacuum tube, I was hooked on science. Even with the simplest example of the workings of gravity, however, the task of science isn't over. Gravity, while governed by predictable laws, is also a theory. While laws of gravity let us make a lot of practical calculations, the theories of gravity seek to tell us the how and the why this relatively weak force that holds the universe together. While many high school seniors learn how to calculate the trajectory of a cannonball in physics class, the theoretical mathematics behind the role of gravity in the origins of the universe is way beyond the ken of us subgenius mortals. For those musings, we rely upon the experts in the field of astrophysics, the geniuses, the Einsteins, the Stephen Hawkings, and the Sheldon Coopers of the world for you Big Bang aficionados. For most of us, these arcane theories, expressed in weird mathematical equations, are of little immediate day-to-day significance or meaning. But we do not dismiss them. We trust scientific authorities to work with those ideas that we can't personally understand. Eventually, these discoveries often will have real-world applications, how to build safer and better airplanes, how to make faster computers, and engineering machines that can manufacture cars practically on their own.
but let's come back down to earth for a moment. Take the fields of medical research, for example. The science behind medical treatments and drugs is complicated, but we can have no doubt that basic science has allowed us, especially in the developed world, to live longer and healthier lives. These advances have been carried out by generations of medical researchers and practitioners. These people have dedicated their lives to science and the pursuit of scientific truth. And they have developed academic institutions and processes to hold one another accountable. One important and relevant area of medical research is in the field of immunology. The first vaccine was developed way back in 1796 by British doctor Edward Jenner. The word vaccine originates from the Latin word vacca or cow. Jennifer Jenner infected people with the milder cowpox virus, which provided some immunity against the deadlier smallpox virus. Further researchers, notably Louis Pasteur, developed more effective vaccines so that through a global effort by the World Health Organization between 1958 and 1977, smallpox became the only human disease ever to be entirely eliminated. We can credit science with saving millions of human lives and preventing immeasurable suffering. Even with the seemingly miraculous capabilities of medical science, such total victories over disease and illness are rare. Take cancer, for example. Forms of cancer are being becoming treatable or controllable almost daily. But according to the WHO, nearly 10 million people still die of cancer yearly, accounting for nearly one in six deaths worldwide. All of us live with the threat of having our lives turned upside down with a cancer diagnosis for ourselves or our loved ones. This is not an indictment of medical science, but a clear call for us to support and encourage research. And there seems to be no shortage of dedicated women and men who are willing to answer that call and others who are willing to risk their lives to put these treatments to use. Despite the advances and successes in medical treatment, controversies and distrust still remain and are growing. That's been particularly evident during the COVID pandemic. The way that the effectiveness of the COVID vaccines is determined is through statistical analysis of infections among vaccinated versus unvaccinated individuals, first during clinical trials and then among the general population. Such analysis is a mainstay of scientific investigation and vaccines have been shown to significantly reduce the risk of infection, serious illness, and death. Why, given the evidence of the efficacy coupled with the safety of these vaccines, has there been considerable pushback against their use and refusal to be vaccinated? There's a pervasive mistrust and misunderstanding of statistical data and science itself, there's an old saying, figures don't lie, but liars can figure. And it's been invoked to sow doubt wherever there is not absolute certainty. And there is seldom 
absolute certainty in science. The fact that the numbers of vaccinated versus unvaccinated is divided along political lines is an indication that something is going on beyond scientific reasoning or even common sense. It appears that we're willing to put emotion ahead of truth even in life-threatening situations. Not only science, scientists are in the business of searching out the truth, so are historians. While certain events happened in the past and others didn't, piecing together the story of what happened and who did what to whom, sometimes centuries in the past, is, a, is as complicated as figuring out how gravity works. History, the stories that we tell about the past, is never the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. History always involves interpretation. Since none of us can comprehend the scope of human history, we rely on historians to piece the story together for us one chapter at a time. In order for their work to have any effect, we have to trust historians and the intellectual and academic institutions through which they hold each other accountable, just as science, scientists do. I can't come anywhere near to a true understanding of history on my own. I do a lot of reading of American history, but in my lifetime, I will only scratch the surface. And more history is being made all the time. We call the telling of this story historiography. Historiography is the writing of history, especially the writing of history based on the critical examination of sources, the selection of particular details, from the authentic materials in those sources, and the synthesis of those details into a narrative that stands the test of critical examination. The term revisionist history has been used a lot recently to throw doubt on the work of historians. Actually, all history is revisionist history, as historical research and shifting modern contexts throw new light on the past. We see it in different ways. Those same historiographic principles apply to the process of biblical inter interpretation through which biblical scholars don't seek to change the word of God, but to mine it for deeper meaning and modern significance and understanding. Just as an understanding of how medical science functions is important in the context of immunizations against COVID, an understanding of historical science is important in the context of how we tell and teach American history. For example, with regards to how we tell the story of slavery and its role in the founding of our nation. Now this story is so fraught with emotion and underlying hurts and hatreds, both sides, that a historical truth is often obscured by personal attitudes and political motivations. If we turn our back on history, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So Jesus said to those who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth of which Jesus speaks is applicable to scientific truth, 
historical truth and the simple truth that we speak to one another. In order for science to work, in order for historians to do their job, and in order for us to live truthfully with one another, we must treat with one another, including those with whom we disagree, with love and compassion. Only then can we develop the trust that is required to ask the hard questions and follow the answers wherever the truth shall lead us. That applies to us as individuals. We must learn to trust one another in our daily interactions and to earn one another's trust. But we also must learn to trust our institutions and educational systems that have provided the amazing progress that we've made as a society. That also applies to conducting ourselves in the political arena in a truthful and trustworthy manner, and might I add, in a humble manner. We are on a journey together to seek out the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. It is a long and hard journey. Yes, the truth is out there. May God give us the strength and the wisdom to continue its pursuit. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you come back next week. May God bless you and keep you. May you walk in God's truth and may it set you free. Goodbye.